What's up, y'all? I'm so excited for you to listen to this week's episode. It features a mentor and an inspiration of mine from the Green Leadership Trust. You're going to learn about things around the gaps of funding when it comes to climate justice and just in general how inaccessible philanthropic funding is when it comes to climate change, as well as how difficult it is for those funds to reach frontline communities on the ground. So we dive deep in this episode talking about some of those issues and gaps and how the Green Leadership Trust is working to bridge those gaps and try to bring more Black, Indigenous, and people of color into the fold when it comes to philanthropic funding, leadership, and resource allocation. So let's get into it. Well, thank you so much for joining me today on Climate Week New York City. We are here currently in New York City. Um, currently thinking about the present and past and future of the climate movement, where it's going and where we feel we, it needs to head. And something I've been thinking a lot about is intergenerational conversations and the importance of being able to bridge gaps on information and community in ways that our movement desperately needs right now. Mm-hmm. And as, you know, a young woman of color in the environmental field, I feel like I'm now at a place where I'm being put in positions as a leader in this space uh, to where I know that there's gaps in my knowledge and wanting to learn from folks that have had so much wisdom and knowledge in this space. That's exactly why I wanted to bring you onto my show today. And I'm so excited to bring you, to introduce you to my community online. And so I would love if you could take a moment and introduce yourself to everyone. I am Amira Woods. I am the relatively new executive director of the Green Leadership Trust. The Green Leadership Trust is this phenomenal network, black, brown, indigenous, AAPI. We are the only cross-cultural network of board members. We are fiduciaries. We are on the boards of environmental organizations. And it's everything from the the big greens, you know, the Sierra Clubs and and uh, Nature Conservancy, and the, the list is so long, um, but it's also the climate justice organizations and, and climate finance groups, and we're increasingly uh, looking at other spaces like uh, the corporate world and trying to figure out how to keep them accountable, right, as well as um, thinking down the road about global, right, like Green Leadership Trust started handful of people about nine years ago on those big green boards coming together saying okay we need to have collective strength collective power and it's grown from that handful of people to now over 150 strong on over 80 boards it's amazing uh, but we're on this trajectory of growth so we are looking to not only um, expand our membership but expand our power and our impact and we're especially looking I love when you talk about intergenerational because we believe that the future of the climate movement, the today, the now of the climate movement, is powerful, dynamic young leaders of color like yourself. And so you are like our, you know, um, key, <laughs> you know, however we call it, growth trajectory of the Green Leadership Trust. Um, we have what we call a, a board talent roster for people who are not yet on boards um, who want to be. Uh, We also have an incredible program. It's called the Vanguard Leadership, but it was named after an amazing leader from right here in New York, Cecil Corbin Marks, 
who was with We Act here in New York, one of the um, leading environmental justice organizations in the world, really. And so um, uh, when he passed away uh, recently, we um, were honored to name the program after him. So the Cecil Corbin Marks uh, Vanguard Leadership Program is really an onboarding orientation for young leaders who are new to boards. How to be an effective board member, how to mm. use your power, mm -hmm. your strength, your voice, how to shape the organization so that they're actually meeting the needs of our communities, right? Mm -hmm. So um, so there's an incredible uh, program and, you know, it's just, it's an honor to, to be there and, wow. and to be a part of this, this, this movement. And I could talk forever about our, 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 our members. Huh? Um, we, we mentioned, we act here in New York, Peggy Shepard, one of our, I think of her as like our queen mother. <laughs> She's know, amazing. Been at this for an incredibly long time. And one of the visionaries who started Green Leadership Trust nine years ago. Hmm. Uh, Michael Galopter, one of the, he visioned Green Leadership Trust. Huh? Uh, works in the Bay Area as well as, as, as uh, in New York and all kinds of, of issues of tech and, and, and greening the future. And, you know, and we have of young visionaries. I'm thinking of Justin Donovan. Justin is a professor at UCLA. He's also a black scuba diver. What? And he started the Black <laughs> Archaeologists Association, bringing together all these incredible minds. They're diving on ships that were, you know, part of the Atlantic slave trade. Wow. You know, visioning that, like new uh, ventures are following Marcus Garvey's path. And, and following, you know, again, using archaeology to kind of tell our stories. Our wow. stories have been sort of written in the margins or ignored in history. And here you have incredible leaders that are lifting up those stories because it's a part of lifting up who we are. Mm. We have always, as a people, been rooted in nature, been mm. rooted in the outdoors. And we're claiming that space, right? We are saying, this is us. Um, we also have visionary leaders that are, that are doing everything from Earth urban gardens, um, to, to, to farming, agroecology, feeding our communities, and understanding that link between health and, and, and the environment and, and a way of, of kind of learning um, from the past um, to help bridge for the future. Hmm. So there, I could talk an hour. No, all of this <laughs> about is amazing. our members, who they are, and, 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 and all that they do. But I think um, what they represent is an incredible assortment of leaders who understand that you need, you know, black, brown, indigenous people. We are 70% of the world's population. We must be reflected on boards of directors that are having such influence hmm. every space every organization for that organization to be effective mm. has to reflect not only our voice our vision but our solutions mm. right um so there, there there's all kinds of ways that we can we can share in terms of an intergenerational space who we are and what we do but we're, we're so grateful to kind of work on you joining us <laughs> yes 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 um no thank you so much i mean that was really powerful, and I mean, I think everything that you all have built is laying the groundwork for those of us that, you know, maybe you're new to this space, and I know for myself, when I was first starting out and learning about environmental justice and the lack of representation of BIPOC in this space, um, you know, the numbers are astounding. You look at the Green 2.0 report, and, you know, it's showing statistically that we're not in these boardrooms 
We're not running these philanthropies. Uh, we're not running these organizations that are supposed to be, quote unquote, changing the world, but changing the world for whom? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And serving whom, you know? Exactly. And I think it's an interesting question of, it's not just about the need for representation, it's resources, it's survival, it's, it's just so much deeper than just, you know, surface level vanity metrics. Mm-hmm. It's actual people's lives and material circumstances. And I think people don't always necessarily think of it that way. Absolutely. Uh, so I, I would love if you could talk a little bit more about that. Like why, mm-hmm. why do we need more representation of people of color on boards in these organizations? Why is that, why is that important? I believe that the environmental movement cannot achieve its goals without us. And it's part of it is nothing about us without us. That's key, right? But it's also, we have the solutions. Um, if, if you think just this week, again, it's climate week. There's so much going on and there's so many issues to lift up. But for us, we started this week, you know, the Green Leadership Trust had a retreat here in New York. One of our members wasn't with us in person. She joined virtually from Puerto Rico, Ruth Santiago, you know, in the midst of the hurricane. Literally, she's on the phone trying to, 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 join, uh, to join us as the hurricane is coming. We, we are, are, you know, and Ruth Santiago has been at the forefront of saying, we need community-based, community-scale renewable energy, solar rooftops, right? She is at the forefront of saying community-driven initiatives work. <laughs> they are the proven solutions. And so, you know, not only has she led the struggle there in Puerto Rico, but together with Green Leadership Trust, we had um, letters, going to the White House and to Congress around the importance of resources mm. Puerto Rico. Of course, sovereignty for Puerto Rico, that too, right? You're looking at issues of democracy mm-hmm. and rights and who makes decisions. All of those are woven into these conversations about the planet and right. its future, right? So when we say, you know, we need to be in these spaces, it's to ensure that the goals of the of the movement are actually achieved, right? right? Because quite frankly, it's been, you know, all white men, <laughs> right? Mostly yeah. old white men, and yeah. it failed. Yes, we've got to say that. We've yeah. got to be really like squarely, you know, hit it and say it's failed. Yeah, and 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 we cannot continue status quo business as usual. I mean, we know this is a decisive decade. We have less than a decade, right, in order to push the, the planet to below 1.5 degrees Celsius in terms of, of, of global warming. Otherwise, we see already the flooding in Pakistan, in Afghanistan, right? I'm from Liberia, and we know already there are communities already now underwater. Clearly, we see from, from Katrina and all of the, you know, 17 years ago, but all of the, you know, the disaster since then in places like New Orleans. Mm. It is our communities mm. that are at the forefront. They're paying the heaviest price mm-hmm. of the climate chaos, right? Yeah. Um, and so it must be our communities that are at the forefront of saying, oh no, we're not going to take this anymore. <laughs> we know what the solutions are and we demand the yeah. right to be able to to, to be able to f- have resources flowing to those solutions that actually work, that mm. can actually not only protect the planet, um, but also be a part of making sure that, that our communities, our frontline communities, not only survive, but thrive mm. uh, now and for generations to come. I love everything you had to say about that. I think it's interesting when it comes to even talking about concepts of climate finance, you know, during Climate Week New York City, like that's the biggest thing that I've been seeing, you know, come up is 
where's the money gonna go for climate solutions? Where's the money gonna go? And it's usually for solutions like sucking carbon out of the atmosphere and turning into like cement or clothing or the soles on some Nike sneakers, I don't know. Anyways, I I, I see all these solutions um, all about carbon, very carbon centric, which sure there is a place for all of that. But I'm like, where are the indigenous-led solutions? Where are the community-led solutions? Where's the funding going directly to these communities who don't have sovereignty, who don't have access to capital or resources? Uh, there's not enough conversation around that. The, the wealth inequality piece is not addressed enough. It's just, these are the technologies and it's gonna be led by X, Y, and Z company or X, Y, and Z CEO but you don't really see those people necessarily come from those communities. And so when it, we're thinking about leadership in this movement and green leadership in this movement, we have to think about uh, where's the representation of knowing that the money and the resources that are being allocated for these really big initiatives to address quote unquote climate justice are actually going contextually to the communities that need it most to actually make that strategic. And I don't think enough people really think about that. They're just like, oh yeah, we're gonna throw a bunch of money and plant some trees, suck some carbon out of the atmosphere and we're gonna be fine. But it's like, that's not gonna ultimately be able to quote unquote build more resilient communities because you're not addressing the historic disinvestment and lack of sovereignty that those communities have had for time immemorial at this point. Absolutely right, Christy. So what what what, what we see is that there's there's because of the capitalist economic system that we're in, you have corporations that have way too much power. So if you look at even this um, this Inflation Reduction Act, which, you know, this climate bill, right. historic climate bill for the U.S., and right. we could probably talk an hour about that alone, right? But 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 at the bottom line, yeah. what we see is like corporate power that's yeah. stripping away democracy, yeah. stripping away the opportunity for people to to kind of dream a future that that's will work true. for our communities, right? Yeah. So so we've, we've got to know that it is these very you know, the cor corporate players, right? Yeah. The fossil fuel driven corporations that have created the chaos in the world. <laughs> right. <laughs> that our communities are now suffering the, the, the repercussions of, right? Yeah. So whether it's, you know, Cancer Alley, like, you know, it, 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 it is, you know, some say 500 years, but at least 200 years of an industrial economy that has pushed resources into fewer and fewer hands, and they've been typically white and male, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So, so again, what we see is like, you know, the core of you know democracy is is people choosing their leaders freely, holding those leaders accountable. But if you have corporations essentially stripping out the opportunity for people to choose their leaders, I mean, all the issues we can talk about campaign finance reform, there's, there's a lot that's linked to this, right? Yeah. But corporate power run amok has been the problem. And it is these fossil fuel driven um, um, uh, uh, companies that you see literally yeah. writing legislation. Mm -hmm. Right. And and so, you know, even when there's opportunity mm -hmm. to have a climate bill that meets the needs of, you know, frontline communities, yeah. 
you often see these offsets. You see these side deals. So you true. see, you know, the, the, the resources flowing right. in ways that that continue to to prop up yeah. the corporate players that are, you know, that you know the the, the the corporations that are that are still steeped in a fossil fuel driven future. So we've got to call it as that's the problem. That's yeah. taking away that's opportunity true. for people to actually determine their lives and and the lives of their children and and for generations to come will continue on a path that destroys not only our lives but the planet so we've got to to shake that up to say no we cannot have you know democracy taken away from us before our eyes right in a context of you know um, quite frankly a white supremacist kind of you know economy and, and, and world so we've got to begin to say no to all of that to revision a future that learns from a past that that uses agroecology, mm. that thinks about farming in ways that feed our, our families and our community mm. in healthy ways, mm -hmm. that don't have us dependent on pesticides or fertilizers that are, again, fossil fuel heavy, mm. fossil fuel laden, that we've got to begin to, to reclaim, right? Like, you know, some of the lessons of, mm. of our foremothers um, and, and forefathers, right? Like, like, like this is how people survived. You know, for for centuries, and so we, you know, we we hold up our indigenous brothers and sisters mm. that are that are fighting for sovereignty, not only here in the United States but around the world. Mm. Indigenous people who have been, you know, sort of at the forefront of saying we've got to learn um, to, to 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 build uh, healthy lives, center spirituality, center well-being, right, wholeness as a people. Um, you know, and 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 think about about things in a way that builds a communal um, vibe, a communal spirit. This episode of Brown Girl Green is sponsored by Bedstew. Bedstew is an incredible, sustainable company that makes ethically handcrafted shoes and accessories that is focused on high quality materials, water-based glues, plant-based dyes, and natural tannins and they are focused on also making sure that their workers are treated well and that they leave a positive impact on the planet. Thank you so much, Bedstew, for your time and make sure that you check them out for all of your future shoe and accessory needs. Oh, us up. <laughs> no, I, I love that so much. And I mean, I just want to like, you know, emphasize like it is so important that we yeah, don't settle for less, especially when it comes to the sanctity and survival of our communities. And, you know, it, it's an interesting thing because I had this very weird parasocial experience of getting invited to, you know, go to the White House and learn about the IRA and having that experience. And it's so crazy that that was literally last week. I'm like, <laughs> where's my life? And it's just so weird because I'm in this position where I'm allowed due to you know the platform I've built and the space I've built to be allowed to be in these spaces in these rooms and knowing that at the end of the day we need that but it's also not enough and that at the end of the day we need BIPOC community leaders and resources and until that gets redistributed and until people in power with racial and economic and social power choose to really redistribute that and be accountable to that process it's difficult to know where that accountability is going to lay and you know getting to be with the green leadership trust on on sunday you know i was 
able to do this amazing social media training with you all and talking about this we new. Loved it. Yeah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Thanks so much. Um, this new paradigm of yes. information and platforms now to actually emphasize environmental justice. I'm so grateful that like I now have this space where I get to interview folks like yourself and others and be able to uplift those stories. But at the but at the same time, you know, it, it's it's can be frustrating because you're like, I'm putting in all this effort as a woman of color, having to push through all these narratives when there's these institutions that have so much money and funding and resources and it's like they should be redistributing that as well. And so I think it's amazing that you all have built programming that's actually institutionalizing that and really going in and addressing, hey, you are the organizations that have the wealth and the resources we have the data to back up to show that you need to shift if you're gonna actually make transformational changes in this space, because at the end of the day, it comes down to redistribution, redistribution, reparations, and reciprocity. Absolutely, redistribution and reparations, that's what it's about. It's about understanding that we cannot continue the power dynamics as they are, that we've gotta challenge them, and, you know, and to lift up all of our phenomenal leaders who have solutions, right? It's not only that you you know you need to be in that space, Christy. You've got solutions of like what does the world look like? You're listening. You're bringing a lens. You've, you've you you know you 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 have a collective kind of weight, right? That needs to be brought to bear in these spaces. So this is what we're saying. Like mm. you know, we cannot continue to have one segment of the population controlling everything for the planet mm. if we you know women are 50% of the planet we should be 50% of boards mm. people of color are 70% of the planet we should be 70% of boards, mm. regardless but especially in the environmental sector that's supposed to be about the planet and its people we must be reflected in those spaces right mm -hmm. it is the only way for organizations to achieve their goal mm. the only way talking about how do we shift the system and I think something that's also been on my mind is um like what what do you feel from like a spiritual lens on your end because I feel like you have a spiritual vibe <laughs> and I also have a spiritual one yes. like mm -hmm. I feel like in some ways the climate crisis is a moral and spiritual crisis as well of people feeling so disconnected um, for maybe their own humanity or connection to these issues because they don't want to address it. I'm just wondering, like, your thoughts on that. Like, yeah. I, I think it's something I've struggled with of, like, changing hearts and minds and being able to inspire people to act um, and to shift. Uh, I'm just wondering your own journey yeah. with that. Yeah. No, I, I, I believe we've got to... We've got to think about the world in a different way. Um, so we've been part of a system, and remember, you know, this is a, a system that started out steeped in exploitation of human labor, um, slavery, um, exploitation, right? It's mm -hmm. like seeing resources and rendering people invisible. Mm. Um, and we've got to acknowledge that that's an economic system that has destroyed people, mm. destroyed lives, community, and destroyed the planet. Mm. And we've got to, you know, we've got to restructure who we are and how we are with each other. Mm. Um, we're, we're not, um, I, I believe we're, we're meant to be um, linked 
um, to nature, to the world around us, in a way for us ourselves to be whole and to and, and to heal ourselves. Mm. Um, so I learned from my great grandmother, who was an herbalist and a midwife, and um, and really um, I think brought a lot of spirituality um, to the world. I think um, how she organized her life and the lives of those around her, it's, 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 it's powerful, right? Mm. It's, it, because it's putting human needs first, mm. you know, not thinking about wants and objects and things that you accumulate that, you know, stuff, right? Mm. That's literally um, destroying our, our, our planet and, and our lives. Um, so it's, it's putting human beings first. It's centering us as a people. Um, and it's it's learning from those who who came before us who had a, a real close connection um, When my grandmother had a child she planted a tree She planted a coconut tree for each of the children she had nine children each of them had a tree There was some spiritual link to nature and birthing in that process mm. And I think we've got to reclaim those spaces where we're centering our humanity and we're centering our love um, for ourselves and for those around us. Um, so, so I believe a part of this journey has to be, you know, touching people's hearts, has to be leading with the hugs. <laughs> yes, even in difficult pandemic times, right? <laughs> Finding ways, especially because of these difficult pandemic times, that you know we're we're, we're recognizing that as human beings, in this. Um, it, especially in this uh, economic system that's stripping away our humanity, that we've got to center who we are, all mm -hmm. of our multiple identities, and bring all of that with us to every space we're in. Mm. Um, I think that's that that's the only way to help us heal. Um, we're, we we know we're in a situation where, you know, especially in the environmental movement, there's so many people. Um, that are that are that are hurt, right? Mm. Um, we, you know, our, our white supremacy, you know, ethos in this world—not just this country, but this world—is um, is really it's it's, it's leaving um, people, you know, wounded. Mm. <laughs> and um, and so we've got to be about, you know, centering love, um, centering well-being. Um, centering self-care, hmm. all of that, right? As we center ourselves um, in nature, in um, healthy foods, in um, orga organic, um, you know, seeds, and 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 thinking about things like seed sovereignty and ways that are going to not only help us heal now, but also help future generations to be healthy and whole. Oh. That was incredible. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Thank you for all that you bring and all that you do. And it's just, it's an honor, honestly, to, to kind of be in community with you. Um, <laughs> I so like you having a community with you. That's amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> uh, I want to know, like, what is your vision for the Green Leadership Trust? How do you feel that, how, what is your vision for how this work will expand and maybe a vision to bring people who are listening to want to join in with the journey that you're on, you know, in this new role that you hold. 
Oh, thank you so much for that. Um, the Green Leadership Trust, I think, is on a, is really on a path to change not just the environmental sector, um, but to stand as an example for other sectors, right? Mm. Like, you know, um, again, we, our goal is 70% of votes. That should be a goal for all sectors, not just the environmental sector. Mm. But especially in the environmental sector, we need to do all that we can to make that goal a reality, mm. not you know, not yesterday, but today, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so I think it is critical for us, um, particularly to push forward. And, you know, you kept talking about intergenerational spaces, right? I think the Green Leadership Trust has the opportunity, learning from the veterans mm. that have been at this. Some of them are on nine different boards. Diane, <laughs> you know, um, DDR, we call her, has been incredible because she literally has been on boards for the last 40 years. Wow. Is on nine boards and shows us how it's done. She's almost always the chair. She chairs the board of the um, Center for Environmental Law and, and you know, it's, uh, so many you know, that she, she says, you know, if you're going to do it, do it right. And mm. she does it. Right. So um, uh, Diane Dillon Ridgely is just one of our, um, again, sheroes and, and, and uh, queen mothers. And, uh, you know, to think about her together with people like Danny, Danny Stigwald, who just wrote a book mm. about activism, trying to, to help us save the planet, and, and you know, a book for change makers. Mm. And she herself is young, dynamic, and has worked with young leaders at, at Power Shift. And so we've got like this intergenerational vibe already there where we're able to learn with each other, from each other, um, and across cultures. Mm. Um, so I, I think. Um, my plea is that young leaders like you um, see themselves um, and their and their journeys and their vision and solutions as being a core part of what's needed for all these organizations to actually meet their goals. Mm. And so see yourself as a board member and let's work together to <laughs> get you on an environmental board if you're not already. If you're already a member of an environmental board, come and join us at the Green Leadership Trust. We'd be honored to have you join our collective force. Um, and also, you know, if you are thinking about um, joining a board um, and want to be on our board talent roster, We've got phenomenal leaders there as well. We don't call it a pipeline. No, we don't even like that term. But, <laughs> but we think of it as our bench, right? Mm. People who are ready to roll with incredible dynamism. And we're working with organizations that are on the journey of equity. Mm. And so, you know, so we're, we're really, we're honored to say, look, we've got leaders that are ready. Mm. If your board is serious about this journey for equity, diversity, belonging, inclusion, mm. we're with you. And, and you know, this is, this is who we are. And so um, Black, Brown, AAPI, Indigenous leaders, join Green Leadership Trust. See us as part of your um, power. Right and 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 um, and together, I believe we are going to change not just the environmental movement, but to show how it's done for other sectors as well. To have the type of um, solutions that come from our communities, the type of experiences, our mm. lived experiences, uh, that are then part of policies, that are then shaping where resources flow, that are helping organizations to be in step with where Black, Brown, and Indigenous communities are. We're the way to do it. So join Ooh, us. That was a pitch.
bitch. That's a bitch. That was a bitch. <laughs> um, oh my gosh. Thank you so much for your wisdom and sharing space with me today. I thank you for everyone who listened. This was recorded during Climate Week in New York City. So excited for the future of the Green Leadership Trust, my potential involvement, probably go. my most likely involvement. Yes. And, um, <laughs> and to you know, continue these conversations of intergenerational collaboration, especially when it comes to promoting uh, a livable future that represents all of our communities. So thank you so much for joining me and- Follow us, greenleadershiptrust.org is our website. Follow us on Twitter. Perfect. At um, GLT members. Uh, follow us on LinkedIn. Look at her. Trust. Do I have everything covered? She got the plug. Instagram. I know. I usually <laughs> plug. Oh, man. Yes. We'll I love to, it. We'll get to TikTok. T- you know, Chris, you'll help She'll us. get on TikTok <laughs> soon. Oh, my gosh. Thank you for plugging. Thank you for plugging. Yeah. Thank you, everyone, for listening to the Brown Girl Green Podcast. This is Chrissy Drutman, where I interview environmental leaders and advocates about justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion, as well as creative solutions to the climate crisis. You can listen to this podcast on YouTube or any where you get your shows please subscribe support donate and support the green leadership trust join a board uh and get home safe yeah stay strong (laughs) stay strong